Thanks for joining us today for the Post-Traumatic Faith Podcast, a place where trauma, hardship, and challenge meet faith and hope for the future. Here is your host, Jill Riley. Welcome to Post-Traumatic Faith. Season 3 has arrived. I am so excited to share with you this season new guests, new topics, and some great conversations. So tune in every week on Fridays. We will have a new episode. Also this season, we will celebrate our 100th episode. So stay tuned for that. Just happens to fall on my birthday, October 28th. So we will have a big celebration. Thank you so much for joining us. And here's today's guest. Good morning. Welcome to Post Traumatic Faith. This is Jill Riley, and I am here today with Tina Chachit. And it is just my honor to have her here all the way from Croatia. Welcome, Tina. Welcome, and thank you very much for having me. I'm so grateful. So we were ju- we were just talking and I said good morning because it is morning my time but it's evening your time. So have you had a good day? Oh, thank you very much. I had a great day. It's very sunny good. here. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about Croatia. I don't know anything about living there. I had friends who lived there, but tell me a little bit about it. Uh it is a really small country. We have around 4 million inhabitants. And uh, I live in Velika Gorica. It's a city near the capital of Croatia, Zagreb. And uh, I find it very pleasant to live in Croatia uh, because uh, Croatia has everything. Beautiful coast, island, mountains, lowland regions, and everything is near. So uh, from my city, uh, in two hours, I'm at the coast. And uh, in two or three hours, I'm in the you know, lowland regions. So we have everything. And uh, the life here is mostly stress-free, at least from my point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, children can safely play on streets. I learned that in some country there is that's problem. Uh, it is, yeah, it is okay to go, you know, walking, cycling, and people are in general kind, open-hearted, and uh, I can say fun. Well, of course, there are uh, much problems like everywhere in the world. Sure. Yeah, the high level of corruption and uh, the poverty gap is widening. And I believe in the rest of the world, we can experience a similar. Yes. And many people here are caught in scarcity, victim mentality, etc. Yeah. So let me ask you, this is going to air in August, so it might be a different scenario then. But does Croatia have an opinion, overwhelming opinion of the war in Ukraine? Or is there, um, is is it just feel very distant from you? Uh, it doesn't feel distant. Uh, I work in a school. I'm a music teacher. And uh, last week, um, a girl you know, my student came and say, said that uh, her family, uh, you know, two Ukrainian uh, girl and the boys are living with their families. So our country is uh, very much involved in uh, giving support to Ukraine. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So were you always raised in Croatia? Yes, uh, I grew up uh, in the same town I live today. However, I spent two years in Libya. Uh, when I was five and six years old, 
my uh, family moved to Misurata. And uh, I'm mentioning this because there I experienced something that positively shaped my life. And I believe it gave me strength to successfully go through the most challenging situation in my life. You know, I was five and I wished for a balloon. Mm -hmm. Uh, me and my family were sitting in a restaurant in Libya. And at that time, there was no toys, not to mention balloons. It was like a mission impossible to get the balloon. And uh, I said aloud, oh, I want a balloon so much. And then the magic happened. A bartender came carrying two balloons. One he gave to my sister and one to me. And at that moment, my father looked into my eyes and he said, you know, Tana, you only have to wish for. And, you know, I believed him so strongly as, mm. you know, five years old girl can believe to her dad, to her authority. So that was really an uh, important event. What uh, a beautiful during. story. Mm. I just love the faith of children too. Children, children have that capacity to believe and to wish and to have the purest intentions, don't they? Yes. And uh, what uh, came out from that experience is uh, I, uh, that belief anchored, you know, that my father's word anchored in my subconscious so when I was going through the most difficult period in my life, you only have to wish for. So I wished from the bottom of my heart. And, you know, the God, the universe, the source helped me to uh, go through it and to come to the, this uh, position where I am now. So mm. I, I believe that uh, beliefs we uh, receive from our parents are very important. Very important. Well, Tana, we have um, gotten a little ahead of ourselves, so I forgot to give a little bit of information about you. So let me do that now before we keep on with our conversation. Tana is a music teacher, writer, and scientist in love with vibrational communication. She helps people release triggers of victim mentality and tune with vibrations of the desired reality. Tana plays a lot of drama in her relationship with herself, her husband, and her children, and her wider family. So many dramatic situations pushed her to find a solution for her traumatic life where she felt like a helpless victim. Through the victim journey, she learned about three roles in the victim game and methods that helped her break free from the victim mentality and tune into life with harmonious relationships. Now she helps other people do the same. So, um, you know, you have um, throughout your life um, had, you know, some kind of, um, it seems like benchmarks where there's been some trauma and things in your life that have come up. So I want to touch just a little bit on, on each of those, and then you can tell us a little bit about what you've learned. Um, can you share with us about um, 2010 and, and your baby then? Yes, I can. That was the most traumatic event in my life at least one of uh, them. Mm -hmm. uh, well, uh, I, I had, uh, like I said, uh, harmonious uh, childhood and really nice childhood. And my unfortunate year started when I met my husband. <laughs> mm -hmm. Our relationship uh, brought the best and the worst parts of me to surface. Mm -hmm. You know, 
there was a very strange sense of knowing him from before, like we knew each other uh, the whole life. It's a weird sense of recognition, like a spooky action at the distance. Mm-hmm. We were constantly bumping on each other, you know, unplanned, unplanned meeting at the same time, at the same places. So there mm-hmm. is one important thing I want to add to my story to put it in the right context. When I thought back uh, then about children, they never interested me, you know, to that extent that I perceived family like a, uh, you know, family and child care, uh, care like a prison, like a burden. I never wanted to get married and uh, I didn't want to have a family. However, we can call it destiny or maybe God's hand, you know, to experience what you came here to learn. Mm-hmm. And uh, like usually happens in stories, the hero has to face situation she mostly resists. And mm-hmm. I got pregnant on a weird day. <laughs> and uh, I freaked out when found, you know, the plus sign on a pregnancy test. Mm. Not ready for out. that. Yeah, I was out of my mind. And my mind wanted to run away, you know, to go far, far from a man, uh, you know, my future husband. And by the way, it's the same one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm still with him now. Uh, He was ready uh, to have a baby and he was ready to give and to do everything for a child. He really loved children. And uh, it was a heart-mind fight. Heart won. My heart won. Heart didn't let me, you know, it's just Probably the God speaking from your heart. We have Jesus, uh, we have a source, universe, whatever we call this uh, universal, intelligent, unconditional love, Mm -hmm. God, Jesus, in our heart and uh, heart one. And, you know, when the first shock subside of, okay, I am pregnant, we were looking forward to a new life. Mm -hmm. However, it's the intuition you know, in a rare moment, I felt like a strange feeling that something is not right. I can't, ex- I can't explain you, you know, that it's just a feeling, you know, that feeling. Actually, you always yes. know your intuition tells you, you, s- right. you sense something. And all of us have inner knowing or intuition. So preg- pregnancy went well. I felt really great and the final day came. I remember it was a winter day and the labors started early in the morning and we went to a hospital where I gave birth to a beautiful baby boy. And we were together, the three of us were together and he lived for three days. And what I experienced in these three days is my heart opened and I felt so happy. I felt so fulfilled, energized like never before. You know, I never felt like that. Nothing mattered except that little being, that little Mm -hmm. baby. Nothing mattered. You know, it's something. Yeah, nothing matters. What What did you name him? Yeah, that's also interesting. We wanted a weird name. So we named him Neon, you know, like a noble gas. And mm. 
it's I, I, I don't know how to say, you know, uh, what kind of noble gas is neon? Flashes mm. and subside, you know. Mm. It's like it's like we always knew. It, yeah. So what really, what happened with him? Why did he only live for three days? Uh, well, uh, no one knows uh, what happens. No one knows. Uh, it was like a sudden death infant syndrome. Okay. Uh, we tested him. Uh, you know, he. That was also one traumatic event later because of my uh, baby girl who uh, developed uh, unexplainable genetic mutation, KCNK2. So doctors wanted to test his remains. You know, the mm. part of heart is in a uh, wax. And it's hold, you know. And so what I need to do to go to an um, institution where all those post-mortal remains are, you know, secured, took his the piece of his heart in envelope to send to a lab to test mm. uh, did he if he had a genetic mutation and uh, his genes uh, were healthy. So... No genetic mutation. Uh, it was autopsy done. No, no heart issues. No lung issues. No, no issues. There were so no nothing. Issues nothing found. explainable. Nothing explainable. Yeah. Mm, so, I'm so sorry. I'm yeah. so sorry. That's um, after you lose a child. How mm. do you? How do you live and breathe every day? Um, so I, 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 before that, I would like to share, um, the situation, how it happened. I, I had awareness. I was aware I was in my body, you know, it's not, you know, some people just shut down and like nothing is happening and they forget about that. You know, they, they just cut off the trauma probably because of my grandmother. She was, uh, religious and uh, she my aunt died from cancer and i remembered her words uh, you know people wanted to give her a comic pill and she said i don't want pill allow me to cry my daughter mm. you know and in that moment when i experienced this trauma you know i found him um laying near me he was cold and i just screamed and it was a huge shock and doctor i was you know shaking and it's like being in a shock and they wanted to go give me a pill and i said i want to be you know aware i, I want to cry you know my my, my grandmother's words were there and uh, i sense um some i sense i sense you know peace and uh, calming uh, energies uh, maybe it was I sensed angels I sensed the support from different realms and I was aware I um, I was aware of that pain I experienced it when it's like a pain of thousand knives mm, touring yes. apart your heart yeah, yes. it was like in heaven, three days, I experienced, you know, the bliss, the heaven, uh, 
And and this and third day around 3 a.m. I was, you know, launched into ninth circle of deepest hell. Yeah. You know, so that's shock. And yeah. after that, uh, uh, and, you know, I was in shock and it just uh, took this Norma Bell. It's like a pill for calming, mm-hmm. calming down. It was unbearable. It was really unbearable. You know, yeah. I... Um... I have dealt with a lot of families who have kids with cancer because our daughter had cancer and even just the possibility that you might lose a child, that consciousness of, of um, their mortality is just so stunning. I remember when she was diagnosed with cancer, I was driving home and in my mind, I was planning her funeral because I was thinking there's no way she can survive this. And so even just that shock of feeling like you might lose a child is just unbearable, um, let alone actually losing a child. So my heart goes out to you. Um, so then um, then you did have a daughter. What year did was she born? Uh, after a after, uh, baby boy, Neon, who died, uh, we we went through uh, you know lots of uh, the palette you know the really wide uh, sorts of emotions from sure. anger, uh, pain, uh, uh, grief, uh, suffering, and lots of you know wanted to n- pretend nothing happened. Um, and in that uh, that state, uh, our second boy baby boy he was born you know the year late in 2012 and uh, it he gave us hope and he was healthy and he gave us uh, a lot of joy so after he we planned our life my husband planned to move uh, uh, we, we like a family planned to move uh, in different country you know he had a great job and everything should should be uh, sh- good. And we planned a child. We planned a daughter or son, second baby. So uh, our son can play with a uh, sibling. Mm-hmm. And everything seemed to be right. However, he was born with, um, uncu- doctor said, uncurable genetic mutation KCNQ2 that manifests with uh, seizures and uh, with breath-holding spells uh, and severe developmental delay. And what is interesting in that story is that uh, neither me or my husband were were a carrier of mutated genes. It was Mm. uh, de novo. She developed it in uterus. And why it happened? No one knows. And how can it be cured? We still don't know. So, is that something that is usually passed down? It's not something that is um, just kind of happens on a fluke usually. Um, it's not passed down because me and my husband are not carrier. However, it can be passed down, and when it is passed down the clinical picture is uh, better. Usually children who have this gene passed from their child, uh, you know, parents, 
are uh, not severely developmentally delayed. They can have seizures. However, they usually develop normally. Okay. And this is new. She de- you know, then always like a new mutation uh, she developed. <laughs> so did she develop that in utero and you knew, or did you just find out after she was born? We found out a few months before she she was born. We didn't know that, and it it can't be found. At least I didn't know. Maybe now you can find it. However, uh, back then uh, it was not possible to to find it in uh, you know through genetic tests test in utero. Mm-hmm. So tell us about um, how she has developed and, and life with her now. What is, what is it like? Um, it, the life is like doctor uh, prognosed. It's, uh, she's uh, eight and a half years old. She's still in diapers, uh, in wheelchairs. She cannot uh, independently sit nor walk. So she's uh, completely dependent upon the caregivers. Seizures are stopped. Seizures stopped, and uh, breath holding spells. It's like uh, when she, 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 for a minute or or so, she's not breathing out. You know, it's mm-hmm. like it's, it's and it happened during first three years like uh, ten times per day. Five, mm. six, seven, ten times. It's like a <laughs> really stressful situation for parents. And uh, we experienced a lot of trauma through, during her few years. You know, seizures are a traumatic experience for a yes. child and for parents. And also the breath holding spells and uh, particularly crying, unstoppable irritability and crying. Because mm-hmm. her her brain is not developed, like, and she's very irritable, and she used to cry for four, five, six hours in a row. Oh, that's so stressful. Yes, and there, then I realized, okay, the moment I'm turning into abuser, into villain. Later, I found out about the victim game and all of that stuff. So. How it, you know, she was crying, she was crying, and I tried everything to help her, but nothing worked. And at some point during, uh, after one day, two days, weeks, month of your, you're fully stressed and you can't help your daughter, you can't help your loved one. You know, she's crying, she's crying, and in the sun, because of the helplessness, because of pain, oh, I just want to throw you out, okay, mm-hmm. what's happening? So in that moment, I turn, I caught myself turning into someone I didn't uh, recognize, you know, you know, because of that helplessness, pain and right. anger, people are uh, abusers, right. people are helpless victims who are turned into abuser because of pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So when did you um, kind of begin to identify the difference in your mind between the victim role and victim savior? And where did those thoughts start to um, 
begin to grow and and help you to understand your role in in the world a little bit more uh, you know it it all started uh, intensively after 2010 because uh, due to um, trauma i experienced uh, with a baby who died um i i wanted relief you know it was really emotionally uh, challenging to live your life Mm -hmm. holding that pain and I tried numerous different modalities and approaches I went to psychiatry however psychiatry didn't help me I was in a hospital uh, like daily hospital for three weeks uh, coming to uh, meetings and uh, what I realized in uh, in my country health care system doesn't solve problems when i saw lady you know it's like 20 people uh, in a group and we are sharing our experiences supporting each other doctors are like sitting um, across us so and uh, there was a lady who experienced uh, sexual abuse and she was uh taking pills and you know healing from that trauma 17 years Mm -hmm. and when i saw that and said okay oh my god i don't want to uh grieve to to carry that trauma for the rest of my life for 17 years okay Mm -hmm. and because i have a background in uh i have a phd in communication so i i can discern what works what doesn't work you know the critical thinking okay so something is really wrong here they are not uh you know giving solutions people are 17 years holding trauma and i uh because of laura i met other parents who had disabled child and uh, most of those parents are carrying trauma. They are still caught in a past, in the traumatic event. What would happen if would happen? And holding the grief, holding unpleasant emotional intensity, holding pain. And I said, okay, I would do whatever it takes to uh, to release, you know, to, to let go of it. And uh, I had a great tool. I had my PhD, so I knew English language. I knew to research and I knew to test on myself. So I test very, you know, a lot of different healing modalities. Right. You say and you I, did some deep inner work and, and started yeah. doing a lot of searching. So, yeah. So um, what helped me, uh, what, you know, there, there is a different kind of help. It can something can help you for a moment or, or for a certain period of time and that thought appear again and trigger you again and again. I uh, learned that uh, compassion from your heart mm. you know, and feeling this emotion is liberating you. And that happened, uh, that happened with me. You know, feeling is healing. Mm-hmm. I learned that uh, modality, self-directed compassion. And, uh, you know, I, I tried positive thinking, uh, setting intention, a lot of this uh, mindfulness. And mm-hmm. and I, I was in such a position that watching myself in mirror saying, you are beautiful, you are happy. 
but I was not happy. I was, it was making me angry. And when I told myself, I'm so sorry, your life is in a mess. I'm so sorry, your pain is stronger than your light. Mm-hmm. And I felt that emotion. I felt this intensity and I cried it out. It, and there is difference between emoting it's like looping in the mind stories right, or right. stories and feeling and releasing. It's different. It's different mm-hmm. thing. Yes. That was my my journey uh, in which I help learn to help myself and to reinvent my life. So in and, that compassion, did you find compassion not only for yourself, but for Laura as she was struggling to to communicate and figure figure life out? Um, I realized that I have a lot of resentment. And by the way, uh, just to finish a previous question, uh, I learned about the victim game in 2019. After, after I learned the compassion and everything, I was a speaker on some tele-summit. And then I learned about this uh, victim game and uh, drama and three roles, okay. in, you know, victim abuser. So um, I hold a lot of resentment toward her. It's like it was a feeling like she ruined my life. Mm. And uh, the magical thing about compassion is that she doesn't have to work on it. It's all about me. So I gave right. myself compassion. I'm so sorry you are angry at her. I'm so sorry she's disabled. I'm so sorry you can't help her. I was giving myself compassion for what's happening in my reality with her and with my husband and you know with outer circumstances and that made difference. Was it just so freeing to to feel that kind of compassion for yourself and to recognize that those are true, real emotions that need a compassionate response? Um, freeing was uh, emotional release, okay. releasing the emotional energy. Because when I was giving, when I, I'm still giving myself compassion, then I feel energy rising, this uh, you know, that, that stuff, what that, you know, this vibration mm-hmm. rising. And through that, I, that helped me to, to release it. So, uh, like, so what is difference? She would have seizure and her seizure would break me down. And I couldn't put myself together for like uh, three, four, five hours. However, Later, she had seizure, but I was uh, ten minutes in, a, you know, in that uh, negative state, and I was put, mm-hmm. I put myself together, you know, faster in a shorter period, and that's what what happened with me and her relationship. Uh, I was not triggered so often, right? You know with her disease, with her seizures, breath holding spells and everything, uh, what was happening. Yeah. So tell me about, you wrote, or I wrote a note from our previous conversation about the status of, um, of a martyr mother. What is that? Um, what is that definition? 
the we identify ourselves with roles. It's simply things we do, you know, mm-hmm. from our ego does that. And uh, I found out that I was uh, identified with martyr mother. Martyr mother who carries everything on her back. And people were telling me, oh, you're so strong. You're so strong woman. Oh, mm-hmm. I admire you. How can you, you know, take care of her? You know, how you experience sort of that you are so strong. And my ego was feeding on that, you know, ego wants to be strong, to be recognized, admired. Oh, and it was so hard to let go of that role. Mm-hmm. You know, because because I was important, people were saying uh, how strong am am I, and that was a huge block for me to realize that I am totally caught and identified with the story of a martyr mother who lost her child and who has a disabled child. So I gave myself compassion. I am so sorry. You will rather be important than free. You know, mm. you would rather be right than free. And I said, okay. This well, is what I, I want. Really, <laughs> I would rather, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Than be free. And yeah. so your your view on life now is kind of let life be as it really is. What does that mean to you, that phrase? Uh, that means for me to uh, allow the life flow through me to be in peace mm. with whatever arise, whatever God brings me, to be in peace, to be neutral, to be in acceptance, in in openness, in receiving. I am openly receiving everything so that, that that's what i'm still uh, practicing mm. to 100% accept and be in peace with uh, the condition of my daughter and possibility that she would never walk that she will be always dependent and also, you know, it's I, I, for the first four or five years, I tried to change her. I did, you know, lots of healing uh, stuff, uh, methods, uh, therapies to, uh, to fix her. And now I want to accept her 100% fully the way she is mm-hmm. and to be happy with it and to be neutral, not, not being triggered with her condition. Right, right. Well, Tana has um, a website and it's the spelling of her name. It's T-E-N-A-C-A-C-I-C.com. And if people want to learn about breaking free from the drama in life, she has a 20 lessons email course. Tell me about that. Uh, In 20 lessons email course, uh, you can learn about uh, uh, three roles in a victim game, victim, perpetrator and savior through uh, daily ex- daily life experiences. Mm. 
So uh, that I found that very important because if uh, we want to free ourselves from a drama game, to liberate ourselves from uh, perpetually looping in um, and having the uh, negative emotions and all of that, I I think it's important to learn how we play drama great game and how we switch through three right. roles so you can see it okay wow that awareness brings change and when you know the rules and you will learn rules through these 20 lessons you can uh, step toward the freedom right and i think that's exactly it with so much of what i talk to guests about is that fact that awareness brings change and so as you as you become aware of your own your own roles your own your own person in space and what that what that means um i think that brings open the possibility of a better future and a more positive outcome so thank you so much for your time and um, thank you for sharing your information. We'll put the links up on our website and um, I just wish you and your family the very best. And I just appreciate your investment in time with our listeners today. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm deeply gr grateful for you and for everything you do. Thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love it if you would leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. You can find Jill at JillRiley.com, on Facebook at JillRiley.Author, Twitter at JillRileyAuthor, and Instagram at JillRiley.Author. Also, feel free to send Jill an email at Jill at JillRiley.org. Thanks for listening in and have a great day.